Chapter 20 James wandered along the beach toward the pier. He'd taken a bus to the marina and bought some fishing line and hooks and bait to go along with a penknife he'd been given a couple of birthdays ago. Now it was after lunchtime and he was walking down by the water's edge. He had a big rucksack on his back with useful things in it. The water was calm and the sky clear, so much for hoping that a storm would stop the fireworks. He clambered up the stony beach to the road and walked to the meeting point. Jenny and Elf met James by the kissing sculpture just before 4pm. They were well turned out. Jenny had a dress on underneath her coat, and Elf had a skirt and tights with red ballet pumps. There wasn't that much time before they had to enter the mega grotto. Jenny said her parents were already on the pier. Elf said nothing about hers. She did have some news about Claudia. She's found a few cats that will help her against the Empress, Elf said. She said that No-Tail would be a great asset too. James told them about his meeting with the king under the fort, and his discovery that No-Tail was female and a grey assassin. So this pebble is a badger stone? Jenny asked, taking the pebble out of her coat pocket. Yes, and it might make one of the bad guys listen to us, James said. You'd better keep it. I didn't do a good job with the Squiducken key. Jenny and Elf's role was to keep an eye on things from inside the Mega Grotto. Nobody really knew how King Pigeon was going to use the firework boat or the flammable poo. And if things went wrong, they would have to get off the pier in a hurry. Elf had a couple of radios. She said her parents used them when they went skiing. They were fully charged and would have a good signal for up to 10 kilometres. She gave one to James and showed him the button to push to speak to them. Other members of the gang arrived as the sun was setting. They were carrying all sorts of equipment. Ella from Year 6 had a load of big shopping bags. Fred had brought his dad's garden watering pump. Saskia and Romy, the Year 4 sisters, had buckets. Aby had a bag full of super soaker water pistols. And Wilf had brought his brother, Laurie, some ropes and a couple of other children. They're my cousins, Wilf said, from Essex. Spencer's in year eight, and Queenie's in year five. They're staying with us for Christmas. I thought we could use the extra hands. The cousins had buckets and another watering container. Right, said James. Let's get to the end of the groin and go through the plan. The promenade was packed, not just the normal Christmas shoppers and tourists, but extra packed. People from the town had come down to check out the mega grotto and watch for celebrities. James led the children down the stairs to the groin, Jenny and Elf left them and went to the pier. The way onto the groin was blocked. There was a wire fence across it, and signs that told people to keep out, and that there was danger of collapse, and then another said, unstable cliff edge. We can't get to the end, Laurie said. Where should we go? James looked around for another good position. The groin was the best place by far, but perhaps... Excuse me! Zen said, crouched down low on the beach to the side of the groin wall. But those signs aren't for you. I put them there to keep the other humans out. Zen pulled on one of the wire fence panels and made a gap. The children squeezed through. It was dark now, and the other members of the Green Hands gang looked at Zen with amazement. Wilf couldn't contain his curiosity. Are you a rat? Yep. Now get a move on. Once they were all down at the end of the groin, 
In the dark and well away from onlookers, Zen and the other three axe rats stood with the children. Romy put her hand out to stroke one of the axe rats. It dodged her hand and hissed back. When Claudia and No-Tail arrived, the rats became agitated. They all kept their eyes on the cat and the squirrel and their hands on their weapons. James's radio squawked. He held it up. Hello? This is Elf. Just testing the radio. Over. Her voice came through clear. Sounds good. Over, James said. How's the mega grotto? Oh, you know, quite normal. Lots of people in fancy clothes and some nice food. Nothing suspicious yet. Over and out. James put the radio in his pocket. Okay, everyone. I'll tell you what is going to happen. Listen carefully, but ask questions if there is anything you don't understand. Is that a squirrel with no tail? Queenie asked straight away. Yes, but she's also a deadly assassin. James carried on without pausing this time. There's a firework boat somewhere out there. He pointed to the sea past the pier. It's going to be part of a huge display to mark the launch of the Mega Grotto, and it's been hijacked by pigeons. We're going to lure it over here and disable it. How can we disable it? Fred from the Astronomy Club asked. In two ways. First, we're going to hit it with water bombs. I've got two big catapults which can fire a water balloon over a hundred meters. We'll also use the catapults to keep the pigeons away. Then, we'll hook the boat and maybe have to board it to stop the fireworks from going off. But the main thing is to keep the boat out from under the pier. At the same time, we need to protect ourselves. The rats will patrol the groin and take care of any intruders. He nodded at Zen and the other rats. They drew their weapons and held them up for the children to see. No-Tail and Claudia will keep their eyes further afield. I want to know where the Empress's forces are and if they're a threat to us. Now, we haven't got long before the Mega Grotto gets started. We need to make as many water bombs as we can before the boat arrives. Then, the catapult takes three people to operate. Two to aim and one to load and fire. How will we lure the firework boat over to us here? Ella, the tall year six, asked. That's the hardest part, and it's up to the starlings, James said. Now, let's start filling these balloons. Wilf, Laurie and Aby, climb down to the beach and fill the buckets. Spencer, you're big. You can work with Ella to pull the buckets up using the rope. Queenie and Saskia, you fill the garden sprayers and fill the balloons. I'll show you how. And Romy and Fred, you guys tie the balloons and organise them into the bags. Everyone ready? Let's go. For the next 30 minutes, the children worked fast and efficiently, fetching water, filling sprayers, making water bombs and bagging them. The worst part was getting the seawater into the buckets. Wilf, Laurie and Aby got very wet feet, even though the sea was calm. They'd made almost a thousand water bombs when James's radio squawked again. They're moving us to the end of the pier, Elf said. I think they're getting ready for the fireworks. James looked out to sea. It was dark. Somewhere out there was a boat filled with fireworks being hijacked by pigeons. He looked at the beach. The tide had come in, and the sea was halfway along the length of the groin. The end of the groin, where they were standing, stood easily ten feet proud of the water to either side. He was pretty sure that meant the water was at least ten feet deep, but he didn't want to jump in and check. The top of the beach beyond the lapping water was packed, as was the promenade behind it. People were lined up against the railings, looking out to the sea. Nearly time for action, James thought. 
Wilf, Aby and Laurie were by the water's edge, 60 feet back from where James and the others were amassing the water bombs. Spencer and Ella were level with them, but up on the groin, hauling in a bucket. James ran down to them. Make this the last bucket, he called to the boys on the beach. Then all of you get back up here. When the last of the balloons was tied and bagged, they had a thousand and twenty-four of them. Everyone was gathered around the array of bags that held the balloons. Zen had come to join them. Okay, it sounds like it's not long until the display. We need to be ready with the catapults. James showed everyone how they worked. They were basically two long bits of stretchy rubber and a basket for the water bomb. Two people held the ends of the rubber tightly, while another loaded the bomb, pulled the rubber back, and let it fly. They tried a test shot. Spencer and Ella held the rubber, and James loaded the bomb. He pulled it back further and further. The tension in the rubber contained a huge force as Spencer and Ella held on tightly. James aimed, but only with the help of the other two. They had to move under James's command. He pointed it out to sea and let it fly. The water balloon bomb shot high and far and disappeared out of sight into the darkness. Then, seconds later, they all heard the splash of it hitting the surface of the water. It made sense that James, Spencer and Ella be the team in charge of one catapult. They agreed that Wilf and Aby would fire the other catapult with Queenie and Fred holding the rubber strips. Laurie, Saskia and Romy would get the water balloons ready to feed them to the teams. They were ready. Now all they needed was the starlings to deliver the firework boat into range. Everyone was quiet. And nervous. But it was not the boat that made them fire first. It was Claudia.